0: Welcome to CUCC's Sermons for Everyone. No matter who you are or where you find yourself on life's journey, we're glad you've tuned in, and we hope you find meaning in this week's sermon. Well, family of God, We are picking up where we left off last week. And that was a a two-week dive into this story. One of our few stories of Jesus as a child. And we're using that story as a way to talk about growth, progress, taking incremental steps forward in our own life. And so once again, here our scripture reading from Luke 2 verse 41 to 52. Each year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to their tradition. After the festival was over, they were returning home. But the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, and his parents didn't know it. Supposing that he was among their band of travelers, they journeyed on for a full day while looking for him among their family and friends. When they didn't find Jesus, they returned to Jerusalem and looked for him. After three days, they found him in the temple. He was sitting among the teachers, listening to them and putting questions to them. Everyone who heard him was amazed by his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were shocked. His mother said, child, why have you treated us like this? Listen, your father and I have been worried. Jesus replied, why were you looking for me? Didn't you know it was necessary for me to be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he said to them. Jesus went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. His mother cherished every word in her heart. Jesus matured in wisdom and years and in favor with God and people. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Okay. Parents out there or anyone who has ever been responsible for the care of a child Imagine with me. You've gone with your family, you've gone with a group to Chicago for the day. And you take the train from the Elburn station. And as you make your way down the tracks, the kids are staring out the window. As each stop approaches, they ask you, Where are we now? All right, and as they come by, you read out the names Wheaton, Glen Allen, Villa Park, Elmhurst, Oak Park. We're almost there. And then you arrive. You make your way through the Ogilvy Transport Center, and before you know it, you're walking through the streets of Chicago. It's only a train ride away, and yet it feels like a different world. Right? At, at one point, whole family staring up, looking at a, at a gigantic skyscraper. Another time, everybody's staring straight down, looking at the river from a historic bridge. You make your way through town. You get to Maggie Daly Park. The kids play take a lap around the ice rink, you fill up on hot dogs, hot chocolate, and then before everyone crashes, you make your way all the way back, and you all crash together on the train ride home. Once again, Oak Park, Elmhurst, Villa Park, Allen, Wheaton. And then all of a sudden, you realize that your 12-year-old isn't on the train with you. You check the bathroom if you're on one of the trains with one, you check the upper level. Instinctively, your mind starts flashing back to the last place you remember being with him. You can, picture, you can picture him on the bridge at the park, ice skating, blowing obnoxious bubbles in the hot chocolate, but you can't picture him getting on the train. In fact, you can't even picture him at Ogilvy for that matter. And so you start thinking about where, where might have he been? what might have caught his attention. you wonder, maybe he got distracted walking past a GameStop, right, and went inside to play one of the video games on display. Maybe he got distracted by one of the candy stores with all the different colors of popcorn in the window. You think of every possible place you might have taken off to, and you know what doesn't cross your mind? Right, you know what you don't find yourself thinking? Maybe he was distracted by a little church holding a Bible study. Right? You never imagine, he just couldn't help himself. He had to sit down, talk with a pastor, and learn a little bit more about God. It's just not one of your concerns. It's hard enough to get your kids to go to their own church. You're not worried about them sneaking off into someone else's church. And you're not alone in that. For three days, Mary and Joseph look everywhere, except for the temple. Three days, that's a lot of looking. That's a lot of thinking to yourself, where could Jesus be? Well, never thinking, huh, maybe in the temple. Again, it's easy. As we did last week, it's easy to paint a picture of a miracle-making God child who spends his free time meditating and practicing walking on water. But for three days, his parents looked everywhere, except for the temple, when he went missing. And yet that's exactly where they found him, listening to the teachers, asking questions. That is probably not fair, for you or for me to compare our children's church attendance to that of boy Jesus. But yet something I still hear all the time is I wish my kids wanted to go to church more. Right? Or I wish, I wish when, when they went off to college that they get plugged into a local community at right? a worshiping family. Or now that my kids have kids, I really want them to find the same thing I found in in my church community. And while there's no foolproof way to ensure that our children will invest in their spiritual life or become active members in a local church, I think there's a couple things we could ponder in this story. And maybe we can get at it by asking, what was Jesus doing in Jerusalem in the first place? Who'd he go there with, and and why was he there? So he traveled to the temple in Jerusalem with his friends and family. And not just a couple of them. Our passage says that that a band of travelers, right? Large enough, it took them a full day to look within their own midst for Jesus. That's a massive community undertaking, it's a 90-mile trek from Nazareth to Jerusalem that included multiple stops, setting up tents, cooking food on the road. Jesus was traveling with his people, right? His, his buddies, his aunts and uncles. I found myself wondering, maybe John the Baptist went with them, right? His little cousin. So that's the who. But why again? Why were they there? Why were they traveling? As we read they were making their annual pilgrimage to celebrate the Passover. And again, without trying to be too cute, let's be clear. This likely was, was Jesus' one big trip of the year. Right? Likely Mary and Joseph didn't take Jesus to Rome for spring break. They spent the summer in Greece and a quick getaway to Egypt for the fall. This was their big trip. Trip. This was the big trip of the year, and it wasn't for sightseeing or outlet shopping. They were in Jerusalem at the temple to celebrate the festival of Passover. And the Passover is no little deal, especially for a family from Nazareth. There's an expense to traveling, an expense to preparing the Passover meal. This was a, a highly anticipated highly participatory religious festival. One that retold the story of their ancestors being rescued out of slavery in Egypt for Jesus and the extended family. This was the big trip. This was the event of the year. This was everything. And so when thinking about about our families, our kids the next generation people that we care for we can tell them that church is important that spiritual life is important that that faith community is important and it might have an effect but more so than our words our, our kids are watching to see where our priorities lie when we have some some time off some free time to ourselves do they see us Heading to church, volunteering in the community, engaging in service. When we're planning our big trip, does does our spiritual life come into play? When we bring all of our friends and family together for a communal moment, are are we deepening our bond, telling sacred stories, practicing our faith, or are we just screaming at the refs to give us a first down? Was it surprising to find boy Jesus deep into a spiritual conversation in the temple? Yeah. Apparently, it wasn't the first place that Mary and Joseph looked for him. And at the same time, it, it should not completely surprise us. As Jesus comes from a family unit who saved, prepared, invested in the traditions of journeying to Jerusalem, to the temple... Year after year after year. And it's simply worth considering when, when again, raising our own kids or, or leading in any sort of community for that matter, what do our traditions, what do our travel plans, what do our travel companions say about our life and our priorities? Here's just a fun one. While well, thinking about, about spring break plans, summer plans, whatever it is that you plan on doing when the snow and ice finally melts. You can think about the implicit lessons, right? The implicit lessons that are learned from the locations we choose, from the things we do. And so maybe while visiting the Panhandle in Florida, we throw in a day trip to walk across the bridge in Selma, right? to visit MLK's birth home in Atlanta, to visit right, the, the Civil Rights Institute in Birmingham, maybe to help them connect with the earth, the ground, the creator. We take them to Starve Rock, to Pictured Rock. If you really want to get close to God, you can go to the Canadian Rockies. Maybe to instill a love for service, for volunteering. We sign up to clean up the beach that we're staying on, right? Or sign up to become a junior ranger on the trails that we're walking. Swing through Back Bay Mission, Habitat for Humanity, Fuller Center for Housing. Add just a layer of volunteering to our vacations. Give it a try. And sit down, think about what... What we do with our free time, right? With the people that we surround ourselves, the tra- traditions that we create for ourselves, what, what implicit lessons are observed in our living? And while we hold that thought, we'll let those questions sit and percolate for a second, I wanna elevate one more observation from our story. We know who he traveled with, why he was there, might we also consider what Jesus was doing while he was left alone in the temple? After three days, I reread, he was sitting among the teachers, listening to them and putting questions to them. Sitting among the teachers, listening to them and putting questions to them. And I simply throw out that, friends, there are few things that can speed up any of our growth, progress, learning, maturing, as quickly as learning to ask really good questions. Teachers, educators know that there's a connection between deep learning and using questioning as an instructional tool. Communication experts know that the art of effective questioning is the bedrock of of deep and meaningful conversation. Leadership gurus talk about humble inquiry as one of the the quickest ways to build trust, to to encourage critical thinking, collaboration. And none of it's earth-shattering. None of it's new. Maybe you've heard of the Socratic method or Socratic questioning is a form of teaching based on, on the famous teacher, Socrates. Right, as one of his famous, most famous students, Plato said that Socrates would assume an ignorant mindset so as to compel his students to question and go deeper instead of seeking from him the answers. It's a disciplined way of using questions to probe others' thinking and, and to encourage self-directed questioning to take ourselves deeper, further, beyond what can be known on the surface. And so after three days, they found him in the temple. He was sitting among the teachers, listening to them and putting questions to them. And this art of questioning sticks with Jesus, even as he grows and becomes a gifted teacher himself. Martin Copenhaver wrote a fabulous little book entitled, Jesus is the Question. The 307 questions Jesus asked, and the three that he answered. And if he listens to the podcast, I'll give Ed Warnicke a little props for recommending that book to me for a, a couple years ago. Jesus sat among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. Now, this is one of those Sundays where we, we could probably keep going, but I know I've got to wrap it up, bring closure to this two-week, probably could have been three-week little inquiry into 12-year-old boy Jesus, how he grew, how he became the person that we meet in the Gospels. And so first, so we said last week, Jesus did not go from, from baby in a manger to miracle maker overnight. Year after year, his family traveled to Jerusalem for the Passover. And we read year after year, Jesus matured, grew in wisdom, and grew in divine favor. You, I, we don't have to get there overnight. We can focus on incremental steps towards growth, towards becoming the person that we're all created to be. Second, Mary and Joseph didn't expect to find their 12-year-old boy hanging out in the temple in his free time, and yet that's exactly what they modeled for him. By establishing spiritual traditions, by consistently and communally taking their family on a pilgrimage of deeper meaning. The children in our lives, they watch us. They pick up on things and are shaped by by the places we bring them, the stories we tell them, the people we surround them with, by the values and priorities that are implicitly spoken in our own living. And then finally, Mary, when Mary and Joseph find Jesus, he's in the temple, and as we've said, he was sitting, listening, and putting questions to the teachers. If we want to become smarter, more interesting, better leaders, more like Jesus, there's a lot of promises in that one. We can all practice the art of, of asking good questions, follow up questions, questions that take ourselves and our conversations deeper, further. But give it a shot. Have some fun with us, with it. And come back next week as Pastor Pat Kittner is going to tell us the story of Jesus' very first miracle turning water into a lot of wine. After that, we, January 23rd, let's get that date right. That's right. After that, January 23rd, we're going to go back to the beginning. The beginning of the beginning. If you've been with us for much of it, much of the last two years, we have been reading through the Bible, like all of it. We started in Genesis, and we've been following the people of God on their up-and-down the journey. We left off with them at the end of the summer. They were so close to the promised land, they could taste it, but they weren't quite there. Moses had died. God raised up a new leader to help them step forward. And so for six weeks, starting January 23rd, we're going to read through the book of Joshua. Joshua. And consider what to do, how to lead, how to follow when the plan of entering the promised land doesn't quite go as expected. I think you're really gonna enjoy this lesser known book of the Bible. We're gonna continue to have fun retelling these old stories and finding new words for ourselves. In the meantime, blessings. Blessings on your week. Blessings on your work. Blessings on your travel home. Blessings on your quarantine, your COVID tests, your quiet time. Blessings on everything that might surprise you this week and everything that might be mundane. Blessings on it all. Amen.